0: From the Department of Surgery at the University of Wisconsin, welcome to the Surgery Set. I'm Jonathan Kohler, an assistant professor in pediatric surgery here in Madison, home of the Badgers. This is a podcast all about surgery and the individuals who are at the cutting edge of it, and we're glad you're here. Welcome to the Surgery Set. This is the third part of our three part series about surgery residency. Today, we're focusing on how our residents learn about and practice global health. How do you practice medicine when you don't have all the resources you need or might want? To answer that, we'll be talking with Dr. Paul DeMusto, an assistant professor in the Division of Vascular Surgery here at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health, and Dr. Callistus Dita. he's a general surgery resident. As you'll hear, Paul and Callistus spent time at the Addis Ababa University's Tikur Anbasa Specialized Hospital in Ethiopia. Dr. Demasto is part of UW's Global Health Education Program, and he and Dr. Dita recently participated in one of UW's Global Health Rotations in Ethiopia. This elective international rotation is offered to third- and fourth-year surgery residents. Through this rotation, residents participate in general otolaryngology, plastic, and vascular surgery at global institutions that partner with our faculty. It's a great opportunity, and I think you'll like hearing about it. Dr. DeMusta and Dr. Dita, welcome to the surgery set. Thanks for coming by the office. Both of you have a lot of experience in global health. Kalistis, at least, you're recently returned from some adventures overseas.
1: I think, uh, you know, coming in, uh, I've always had this interest in global surgery, uh, being originally from Cameroon, and sort of understanding some of the burdens uh, that sort of, uh, you know, uh, crave us, especially uh, in the capacity of Uh, uh, surgical diseases so I've always had an interest uh, in global surgery uh, coming into the program and uh, I've thought of ways of how I could explore that further uh, and continue to learn more and how I could you know be of a resource especially to the community uh, in that setting low resource populations Um, and uh, this opportunity you know sort of presented itself uh, in the midst of that um, and we, you know, got to spend some time in Ethiopia um, with the uh, with the population there, and it was it was a very uh, it was a very uh, you know mind mind opening experience, and getting to see other settings, uh, and even though being from Africa, had never been to that part uh, of the continent before.
0: Was this your first time practicing medicine outside the U.S.?
1: Um, yes, which. Uh, completely gave me a different perspective to it. Yeah, seeing it from that standpoint, um, I think uh, I, you know, most of most of us here experience medicine as you know, patient or getting to use it versus getting to provide. I think it's a very different uh, sort of experience uh, in that, yeah, in that respect.
0: What were the differences? I mean, were you? Did you feel like you had more autonomy? There, or just a, you, you're seeing a broader range of cases, you're learning how to do things with fewer resources?
1: Absolutely. So, I think, uh, you know, one of, one of my very first cases when we went to uh, Ethiopia, uh, you know, we had a very young patient who sort of had this medically refractory ITP um, and needed a splenectomy. Hmm. Um, and, you know, we started out and uh, starting out, hemoglobin was eight. And, you know, I think here most people would, uh, if not transfuse before going to the OR, would at least make plans for that. Uh, but this patient had been sitting on the floor for like four days, and they were asking family members uh, to come forward and donate blood, and um, no one was available. Hmm. Uh, you know, and until after about four days, they said, well, uh, we just gotta bite it. Uh, went to the OR, um, you know, you can talk of you know, a case where everything that could possibly go wrong <laughs> sort of went wrong in that case. Uh, we ended up in the middle of the OR and you know had issues with the lights when the patient was bleeding, so we couldn't see, we didn't have blood. Um, and we started out with a hemoglobin that was less than ideal. Uh, and you have to think of creative ways of you know how do we get through that? Yeah, um, and that was challenging, and we got through it okay. Um, but so you sort of see things like that. like how do you practice medicine in these settings? Uh, where you don't have all the resources that you might need or you might want. Um, but there are still, you know, people who are ill and
0: need right. help. I mean, and the vast majority of people on the earth, right, like live in those settings. Paul, you, I mean, you've got some experience in this as well, right?
2: So, yeah, yeah. So I uh, have made two trips to Ethiopia. One, uh, the most recent one, was uh, I spent a week while Callistus was there for four, during his four weeks. I was there for one of them. And uh, I specifically focused on vascular surgery when I have gone there, although uh, we did do a little bit of general surgery uh, one day just because that's what was needed. But... Uh, it's I think what Callista said is very true and the reason I one of the many reasons I enjoy it is because it sort of makes you appreciate what we have uh, mm-hmm. as Callista was saying and you realize that not even just from the medical point of view I mean just going from the hotel to the hospital and seeing these people queued up for tr- public transit and taxis and all these different things um, just trying to get to where they need to go to go to work is uh, interesting and then the, the diseases that you see there are so different than what is seen here because there's um, everything's so much more end-stage. You know, mm-hmm. There aren't incidental findings on CT scans because nobody's getting CT scans. Um, and people, either because of lack of resources or lack of transportation, um, don't come in until things are critical. And so uh, it, it's really interesting to see.
0: I speak from the perspective of someone who's interested in this, but I've never done it. It seems like it would do two things for you as a as a surgeon. One, it would allow you to to treat these people who don't have access to specialist care or to as much surgical care without actually bringing the specialist to them. But also, like it, it seems like it would inform your own practice. So, I mean, has it changed the way, Clisus, that that you approach taking care of patients here in you know first world nation?
1: you know not not so much in that respect I think it's I think what it probably did for me was uh, uh, you know it it makes you more versatile Mm -hmm. it gives you uh, an idea of you know what's possible it's sort of where you know they say when really tested you know what what can you get away with and what can you not so I think it's just you know it's a switch thing where you sort of have to be mindful of you know not just practicing medicine uh, but you say, well, what are the resources that I have and what you know, what can they allow me to do? So say here in this setting when I have the resources, you know, I my options are wide open and mm-hmm. I can do a, a whole bunch of things. So it hasn't necessarily changed how I practice medicine here. But I can now I think what it can now allow me to do is, you know, when if I ever face a situation where uh, I don't have that resource available uh, I sort of have that in my back pocket and I say, you know, I can tap into this. I think very simple things like, you know, when we were there just using, like, vessel loops, they don't ha- really have those available. Uh, and what they did was they take the cuff of a glove and they cut it all around and just take that end and use it as a vessel loop. Um, I'm not going to come here and say, well, you know, I don't want to use vessel loops anymore. But I can see a situation where, you know, it wasn't immediately available to me. Uh, that I could easily use that and replace it in a setting like that. So I think it's, you know, it, it, it makes it more fun.
0: Yeah, like it teaches you, and I, I mean, so I have no experience in in global health, but I have some experience in improvisational comedy. And I mean, I always thought that that was like among the best preparations that I ever had for medical school and, and residency was like, just sort of learning how to think on your feet and say like, okay, this isn't working. Like, how do we come up with something else? Do you find that Paul working with the, surgeons who are based there who live there they must practice surgery for them it would be you know the extraordinary thing would be coming to a place where you could have vessel loops right like it must just be a a, a very different way of practice it is it
2: is it's a different approach to things and it's a um let's get the job done sort of approach uh, Mm -hmm. with whatever we have and they also select their cases and their patients Based on their resources, you know, hmm. so they they have altered their practice. Uh, I guess based on their resources, so that they're they know what they can do and what they can't. They're not going to put themselves in a situation to get into trouble. Um, and I think that's one thing that I learned on my first trip there is I didn't know the limitations of the resources. Uh, and you know, something that would not be a big deal here could easily turn into a big deal there, as Callista described with the blood. You know, availability. Right. Um, we take. That You're so
0: used to just being on like, like, oh, get, get some blood. Exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah. Or like in my case, it was a proline suture. They don't oh. have uh, a good way to import proline suture. It's really complex as to why that is. But basically, whatever we bring is what we have. Wow. And so I broke a proline. And here, that's you no big deal. Like nothing, right? Yeah. There, it was like I had, like, shot somebody. Like, there was a, everybody in the room all of a sudden was like, oh, my gosh. And then they oh, had wow. to go to the locked cabinet and get me another one. You know, and it's just uh, that sort of thing. that It's uh, those things that you take for granted. And what it's done for me is when I come back, help me be a little more cost and resource conscious. And trying to reuse suture or to think about what I'm going to use in terms of supplies for a case... Um, you know, not to compromise somebody's care here, but to at least think about that and be conscious like, well, do we really need to do that? Do we need all these things open right away? Can we, you know, have some things on standby and open them if we need them? It's like that. The the other thing that struck me there is that they don't have anything that's disposable. Everything gets reused, like even the bovies, they re sterilize and reuse. And um, I took some paper gowns, and when I just reflexively tore it off at the end, again, it was like, Oh my gosh, we could have somehow reused that. Not necessarily for a sterile procedure, but used it for something else, you know, just as a protective gown. Right. And so, um, it sort of makes you think about those things differently when you come back.
0: Yeah, and you're like, look at the three filled garbage cans after like a small yep. operation of everything that we just toss. Yeah. yeah,
2: all the disposable drapes and everything there is reusable. Yeah, And, um, you know, whether it should be or not, that's a different question. But, you know, like they'll take a vascular graft and cut it into three instead of, you know, using it for one patient and throwing out the rest. They'll parse out what they need and save the rest. That's... Um, it's a different way of thinking, but it's what you have to do to treat the most people.
0: Right. Global health, obviously, is becoming more of a thing. It seems as though every residency program you know, at least gives lip service to doing some sort of global health initiative or being interested in global health, and I think that's probably driven by a medical student sort of demanding that and asking those questions, like, how do I become more of a global citizen? What are we doing here to address that question, and how, how are we allowing our residents and our faculty to become engaged in global medicine?
2: I, I can start with that. I think from um, a faculty point of view, you know, Gurma Taffer is the opera- Director of Operation Giving Back for American Colleges of Surgeons. So he's involved on a national level, but also is bringing some of that back here. So the partnership that I took part in is one that's with our department in the hospital there that has been long standing even before I arrived here and our ultimate goal is to help them start a vascular surgery fellowship program. So not that I go there for a week or somebody else goes there for a week and can help eight or ten people but to really make it sustainable. Um, I believe that their first fellow started this last July or August uh, and so when I go back again in April hopefully will get to interact with them and so it's not so you're only, really training yeah it's yeah. not only doing the cases but it's we've helped them develop a curriculum and um you know a little bit about ultrasound and, and things like that uh more so than just here's how to do this operation or here's some technique tips or things like that right. which is also part of what we do
0: and that's all a lot more than just like showing up, doing the operations and then saying, like, we'll see you in a year, right? Exactly. Leaving them with no capacity internally to do these things exactly. themselves.
2: And the surgeon that we partner with there is the only vascular surgeon in the country. Wow. So, you know, and he is obviously really busy. Prior to my joining, the faculty hosted him here as well to hmm. help him train him so that he could then go back and start practicing there. And then we've supported him by doing these one and two week trips. Uh, And then starting this coming year, we're going to send our vascular trainees there. So general surgery started with Callista sending a resident, and now we are gonna send our fourth year integrated vascular resident and our first year fellow each for a month, uh, one in April and one in May. Wow,
0: that's fantastic.
2: Because um, I think, as Callista's pointed out, it gives them a totally different
1: perspective.
0: What's the resident experience here? Like, obviously, you're the, the pilot. Where do you see this going within the residency, Callistus? You,
1: you know, yeah, uh, I, I think it kind of touches on a point that you made earlier. Uh, I think traditionally, uh, you know, global health uh, or you know, global issues. Uh, surgeons have not been very involved. That's, you know, surgeons have been seen you know, taking a back seat to that. And these things have traditionally been thought of as you know primary care issues and not something that really involves surgery. And we're just now finding out uh, that you know we actually play a central role to that. Uh, and if you look at the, you know, the recent Lancet report that just got uh, published about a couple of years back, it really highlights uh, some of those uh, you know difficulties that they face in that setting. Um, Coming in as you know from medical school, uh, I think it's something that you know the generation that's coming up is quickly realizing that, and so we're asking these questions. Um, in within the residency, there's a huge uh, uh, interest uh, in this. Um, I mean, I, I sort of went there first, but um, it's not necessarily you know if you if you talk to a lot of my other colleagues, they share some of the you know the same concerns. They've realized that. Um, you know the surgical, the global burden of surgical diseases is real, and far more. Uh, there's far more need, um, you know, outside of the uh, U. You S. Know, than we have here. And there's a lot for us to learn, and not just in terms of need and providing care, but you know what we can learn and also bring back here. Um, so uh, there are a few other residents who are actually from the general surgery program who are actually going to be going this year. Yeah, there's at least two more. Um, And then in the intern class, there's a a vast interest in this.
0: And the program is making time for that to happen or you do it on your vacation? How does it work?
1: So, uh, yes, the program is actively supporting this. That's awesome. Uh, Yeah, and it's not just, you know, it's not just that, you know, we'll give you a place and and do these things for you to go there, but even at a college level, uh, the, the amount of investment Uh, you know, pouring of resources into this has been limitless. Dr. Greenberg, Dr. Minter, is a huge proponent of this factor as well, um, that we are allowing residents to be able to go there as part of their rotation. Uh, It's an international rotation, but it counts uh, towards your ACGME, uh, you know, accreditation, and we can do this. Uh, And there's also a shifting phase uh, where there's going to be a consortium of programs around the country, Um, where um, each program is going to be able uh, uh, to have a faculty member, uh, you know, in abroad. Um, The program provides, you know, uh, for at least a month in the entire year. And then what that allows is, it allows the programs that are participating into this to be able to send a resident, you know, like one month out of the year. But there's continued coverage
0: Right, so it's like it's just going to be like another rotation. Like you rotate on vascular, you rotate on Ethiopia, right? Exactly. Like, so that
1: your cases actually count, because for it to count, you need to have an ACGM certified faculty member yeah. instead of taking you through the case. Right. Uh, so in that way, those cases are going to be able to count, and then you get that experience as well.
0: Right. And I mean, that's been always the hangup. You can go, but like, it takes away from your time available to do surgery that you can log here, right? And they've they've figured out a way around that. That's fantastic.
2: I believe that they're working on uh, making the hospital there another training site. You know there's a lot of qualifications that they have to meet and I'm not sure that all those have been worked out yet but um, as Callista said that's what we're doing when we send our vascular Is between our division I think there are six of us that are gonna go and cover the eight weeks that we need. six or four, Five or six of us. And so we're each gonna go for a week at a time and Dr. Aker's gonna do two weeks I think and uh, that way our trainees get the experience they get to log it. They don't have to use vacation. And uh, it works out really nicely.
0: It really does seem like we've come a long way from reading, you know, Cutting for a Stone and thinking about, like, oh, how does it work in the rest of the world to actually, like, implementing a way to actually go and do it, yeah. you know? So yeah. It's it's very cool. No,
2: it is. And it's... Uh I guess fun is the right way to say it, but it's uh, you know it's a long week, it's a lot of work, but it's very rewarding, and um, you
0: know. There's not a lot of electronic health record nonsense and. Yes, yeah. you operate
2: you just go and you take care of patients you know yeah. and it's uh, something very pure about that it's back to you the know? basics you yeah. phys- use your physical exam skills because you can't just send them to CT or get an ultrasound or if you do you may not be able to find the images or you know all these different things there's hardly anything electronic the other thing is is that it's a totally different focus of the society, right? So the families provide for the patients while they're in the hospital. So it's one of the, like, and it's like this way in a lot of countries, but um, they provide the food and they buy some of the medications and they, you know, it's uh, not that someone goes into the hospital and is completely taken care of by the health.
0: Right, it's not a hotel. Right, right, yeah.
2: So families are involved. They sometimes bring their own bedding and, you know, that's... It's yeah. a different experience, you know, and um, prior to actually when I was in medical school, I went and did an overseas rotation uh, in Singapore, which is a very developed oh, wow. country, but they have a very tiered system. So if you're on the government insurance, you're in a open ward bed, you know, there's 10 or 12 people there and you're... Same thing, family has to provide the medications and the food, you know, and then as you pay up, um, you get to a private room with TV and, you know, more and more service. But uh, it is interesting to see how that sort of scale exists, even in some place like Singapore, which is fairly well-developed and fairly modern and and has a, you know, very good economy.
0: A lot of it just has to, I'm sure, has to do with sort of the cultural expectations, right? That's exactly right? what it like, is.
2: That's exactly what it is, yeah. you know you take care of your own family, you don't put that burden on somebody else. And so it's, it's interesting.
0: It sounds extraordinary. I, I'll have to put it on the list of things yeah. to do. But thank you so much for, for coming by and and talking about your extraordinary experiences. And I'm so excited to hear about where, uh, where it takes you in the future.
2: Yeah, well, thank you for having us.
0: Thank you. Next time on the Surgery Set, I speak with my friend, Dr. David Francis. He's the Director of Otolaryngology Outcomes here at UW and his research focuses on patient-centered approaches to improving care of patients with ear, nose, and throat disorders. We'll be talking about a rare disease that's become David's specialty and his passion, idiopathic airway stenosis. Remember, if you enjoyed today's program, please rate us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. The Surgery Set is a production of the Department of Surgery at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. This episode was produced by Chelsea Johnson and me, Jonathan Kohler. It was recorded by Chris Hansen and edited by Elizabeth DiNovella. Our theme song is On Wisconsin, arranged and produced by Jamie Schmidt. I encourage you to visit us at surgery.wisc.edu, where you can find links to Grand Rounds, free CME credits, and more. You can also check out the UW School of Medicine and Public Health video library for a wide range of medical education resources at videos.med.wisc.edu. In addition, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. And of course, you can follow us on social media. You can like our Facebook page and also find us on Twitter at Wisc Surgery and I'm at J.E. Kohler, K-O-H-L-E-R. Please feel free to let us know how we're doing, rate and review us on your podcast app, and don't hesitate to let us know of any topics you'd like us to cover. Thanks, and we hope you check back soon.